I'm Richard Bond, and I am the producer and director of the Tupac Assassination movies. Over the last 12 years, I have learned a lot about Tupac, and I'd like to share with you what I know. Well, good morning, everybody. This is RJ Bond here with What I Know, and this is the week of October the 9th of 2019. Man, there's a lot going on, and uh, first I want to say a quick shout-out to the people in the Bay Area, and uh, my sympathies go out to them. The, a lot of you from the rest of the world don't know this, but the power companies out here, uh, they're kind of a bunch of screw-ups. Uh, these are the same people that are just, you know, charging whatever they want to charge for electric, and man, if you're late on your electric, they do not hesitate to shut your ass off, that is for sure. Uh, but there are some reports as much as 800,000 people in Northern California are without power because Pacific Gas and Electric just decided they were going to shut the damn power off. Just shut it off. Oh, you don't need any power. Forget your medical equipment. Forget anything else. Forget your water heater. Forget anything that is electric. I feel sorry for people that have those always-on water heaters because they're screwed. No tank to put the water in. Boy, that's a new paradigm for anybody living in a civilized country. I mean, you know, I heard a senator say that this is third world shit. And it is. It's third world. And I, my heart goes out to the people in Northern California. Much of Tupac's history was up in Marin City and the Oakland area. And that's actually one of the areas that are hardest hit right now. So my heart goes out to you all. Uh, probably spent a little bit of time talking about that. But man, we got a lot to talk about today. So anyway, the uh, if you guys live in that area, man... You know, I hope uh, hope you take care of yourselves, and uh, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out for you all. All right, so now back to the Tupac world and the kookiness that goes on with it. Apparently, <clears throat> FX has announced a new slate of documentaries, including a five-part project on Tupac and Afeni Shakur. Okay, and uh, the apparently per press release, and this comes through Rolling Stone magazine. Outlaw, the saga of Afeni and Tupac Shakur will tell the story of, and I, I want to get this quote right, quote, the most inspiring and dangerous mother-son duo in American history, whose unified message of freedom, equality, persecution, and justice are more relevant today than ever. Afeni, who worked as an activist and served as a member of the Black Panthers, was a constant source of inspiration for Tupac, most famously on his 1995 single, Dear Mama. Filmmaker Alan Hughes will direct Outlaw. He previously helmed the 2017 HBO docuseries on Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine called The Defiant Ones. Are you kidding me? Let that sink in for just a minute. I mean, I hate to do dead air because dead air is terrible on, on, on radio. But you got to let that sink in for a minute, okay? Now, I have met Afeni Shakur. I've talked to Afeni Shakur. We talked, you know, right around the time we were shooting the second Tupac assassination movie. Afeni gave us permission to shoot on the grounds of the Tupac Shakur uh, Foundation back when it was in Atlanta and it was up and running. We got to shoot there and very honored to do that. Afeni was a very wonderful woman in terms of her response to the documentary. She gave me a big hug. She hugged a lot of people, uh, signed my Tupac assassination poster. I still have it sitting uh, framed up above my desk here. And... Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Tupac and his legacy and all that. But this documentary isn't about that. This documentary is about the relationship between Tupac Shakur and Afeni Shakur. 
And to categorize this as the most inspiring and dangerous mother-son duo in American history, what a crock of shit that is, okay? In fact, you should be ashamed of yourself. And, and, and more importantly, Alan Hughes, you should be ashamed of yourself. What the hell were you smoking? So now you've gone and done it, we're going to have to let Layla Steinberg talk about the real truth behind all of that. I have been a mother to many, and so that, that's something that people will remind me they stayed with me at one point or another. I, that's a part of me. I will always be a mother to many. Skim always makes jokes and says, I, I have an obligation to be the mother of a generation. And it's hard for my kids, I can tell you that too that um, Tupac used to fight with the kids and, and it hasn't changed. When I have an artist I'm connected to and we struggle to, um, to build together, it's really hard on the family. Does it make them a little jealous? Do they we all are jealous because I get jealous and they get jealous. We need each other's time. It's a lot. But there are so many kids that aren't blessed to have a mother like me who loves her children every damn day of the week, appreciates them, they mean everything to me. And so it's a blessing to be a love child. Back to Tupac. Tupac knew absence. He knew affection. He had a mother who planted amazing seeds in him who loved him dearly and was really in pain. And so Tupac is a child who knows the pain of absence and the pain of um, needing. And, you know, I understand the absence of a mother at times that I needed one in the way he understood needing a father. So that was a really um, strong point of connection. And that's how you heal other people who have that pain. If you can express that pain, then you allow someone else. You said, um, that I could be in a room of 20 or 50 or a couple hundred thousands and usually I can example who I am and Tupac and I shared that also. The love of being able to be in a room and having everybody know what it is to have peace treaty. And you know, he also had a, a lot more fire than most. And, Respect. Respect is a big issue. It's very important to, to be respected. And I am not as able to stand up for myself as Tupac. I love that about him. He wouldn't take any shit. I'll take shit that I don't deserve. I will um, allow things that I look to Tupac sometimes as an example. And this is good, everybody should put this in. People should understand respect. If um, someone doesn't understand that we live in a day and an age where you could just get your head blown off in a minute, that, um, that we have to watch what we say, what comes out of our mouth. We have to be careful. And Tupac understood that. He understood consequence. He, um, he understood how to not allow disrespect at a certain point. And I watched that and, and wanted to be able to be stronger in my life in, in those areas. And I think that 
he also is very contradicting to himself and to others because he's a Gemini and he has both sides of himself and he lived that out loud too. And you know, the, that's a quality that could be wonderful and it could be a very, very dangerous quality. Okay, Afini and Tupac, and I have this on, this is part of the reason why I'm doing these podcasts. This is what I know. What I know is that Tupac knew loneliness from Afini Shakur. Tupac said, don't let my mom handle my money. Okay? Now, if they want to talk about a complex relationship or a relationship that was built on abandonment and how Tupac struggled through those issues, that's the documentary I want to see, Alan Hughes. Okay? But don't give me this fraud of the most inspiring and dangerous mother-son duo in American history. And this may come as a surprise to some of you newbies who are kind of new to the Tupac world. Uh, you know, he wrote that song, Dear Mama. Dear Mama was a fantasy. And I guess I'm going to have to go start pulling some clips from some interviews about some people that talk about this. But Atrin Gregory talked about this. Yasmin Fula talked about this. Layla Steinberg talked about this. There are so many people that talked about Tupac's relationship with his mother and how even in Marin City, he came home to literally an empty apartment because she disappeared. She was gone. Okay? Empty apartment. How would you like to do that? Your kid, you come home from school, you come home, and your house is empty. There's nobody even around. Okay? Well, Tupac had a friend, Larry Spellman, and Larry Spellman uh, lived with Tupac for a period of time. You know, not his mom. Check it out. Uh, we just had this place called the Top Ramen Shack. Top Ramen Shack was basically... This was the most ghetto, fabulous little spot that you could possibly ever be in. It, it didn't even have, uh, we had all these cabinets, but no food. It had no food, it wasn't even a, it, it, it wasn't even, it was maybe a couple of bowls. And, and uh, the bowls was for, you know what Top Ramen noodles are? That's why they called it the Top Ramen Shack. The Top Ramen Shack just basically had noodles. Everybody ate noodles. If you didn't have a bowl, you took your, your, your powder and put it in your bag and shook up the bag and ate and just ate the noodles right there. So it got its name because the only thing you could eat there was top ramen because they didn't well, nobody had no food in there. The refrigerator, you know, maybe had a you know maybe a couple 40s, uh, Kool-Aid maybe. I mean it was just a little ghetto looking house. Um, everybody kind of just in that house like the couch was all tore up and and uh, I remember like, you know, in the bedrooms, it wasn't no, like a bed sitting on frames. It was a mattress on the ground in the bedroom. I mean, it was just an old ghetto house. Food in there. Well, I got out there in 89. Um, I went, I was, the first year I stayed with a, a, a friend of a family, but that is, it just didn't, wasn't working out. Uh, Met a couple girls, kind of. I mean, at first, I mean, just start, I laid in a car, and some some chick's car for a minute, and um, and uh, then I told my cousin, you know, what I'm saying, where you staying at? You know, what I'm saying, I need some place to stay. I can't keep staying in this girl's car. That's just not working. And you know, me and such and such them, we ain't get along. So, so he said, won't you come? You can come, come hang out with me. And so, um, I remember a place in Santa Rosa my recollection there was a top ramen shack then it was this it was this one little spot uh we had 
Only thing different about that one, it had a had a, a better door. <laughs> had a better door, but the windows was busted out, so they had to put cardboard in front of it. And this was Pac was living there? Yeah, we all living there. It was uh, probably, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say at least 10 guys. 10 guys living in the same old spot. Then, you know, you know, you didn't want to sleep on no mattress, because you know, the mattress is nasty. I mean, this is all to my recollection, I'm trying to remember back in 89, 90, 91, those three years. And so often knowing I live with Pac, I say, and a bunch of other people, but uh, I'm gonna say off and on for three, about three, three and a half years, off and on. Uh, as I stand here as a man, I reminisce about my past. So many questions I wanna ask, yeah. Coming at you with the cutting hits. That's uh, Third Degree from this song, Broken Home. I hope you guys get an opportunity to uh, catch the full version of it. It's available all over the place for download. Speaking of broken homes, this is just wrong, guys. Okay, that's it. This is just wrong. Now, okay, let me see when this article came out. This came out August 6th of 2019, so that's only a couple months ago. Uh, you know, so we'll see who's responsible for this but you know this is what you get when you got a bunch of people who had peripheral knowledge of the situation and i mean wasn't alan hughes the guy that tupac beat up i mean wasn't he the guy you know talk about i guess he's getting getting back at tupac he's gonna go keep flogging that tupac bandwagon and try to make that tupac money that we all talked about last week and i know that alan hughes has come out and done a lot of uh publicity and talked about the story and tried to whitewash the whole thing uh but you know a tupac's partner spice one his friend uh he did an interview and i think uh what he had to say about the event pretty much sums up the alan hughes situation uh, i guess <clears throat> pack was kind of they i guess they fired him and didn't um and didn't tell him and it was in the newspaper 
And uh, he didn't know until he read the newspaper. So he was kind of pissed off about that. And, they, you know, they got a, a big fight at my video at uh, Trigger Got No Heart video. And, um, you know, a lot of things went down over here. I, I caught the aftermath, you know, because I was actually shooting a video when uh, all of this was going down. And uh, what's the guy's name uh, that played uh, Tyron Turner? Just tapped me on the shoulder and was, and, you know, and, and pointed down the hill. And uh, I seen um, Alan Hughes, um, you know, running up the hill. I ran down there and I didn't know who he was. And you know, back then I was hard headed. I was gonna like knock him back down the hill until I real realized it was him. And I, I you know, I shut it. They were they were chasing him up the hill, and I, you know, I shut everybody down and told them to take their ass back down the hill. You know, we had we called the ambulance for uh, for Allen, and um, I don't know where his brother was, but um, you know, I, I defused the situation as fast as I could when I realized it was it was it was Allen. You know, he was beat up pretty bad. <laughs> he was beat he was beat up pretty bad. Now, was this Pac solo, or did Pac have a group of people with him? Well, he had a group of people with him, but nobody, you know, as far as what I what uh, what I was told, nobody jumped in, and they didn't have no really have no reason to lie to me about it. So, you know, I guess they just let Pac and them go at it and do their thing. But Pac was like a little strong dude, and he used to lift weights all the time and shit. You know, he went the type of he didn't like being weak and shit. <laughs> you know. As I sit and look at today's shoot, I can't help but see him crying out. Then I think in my mind, who's gonna reach me? When all they need is love, and somebody cares. We don't try to reach the thugs on the block to tell me who's gonna reach them. Adolescents turned into killers because nobody would teach them. And the system is full of brothers who had no direction. Politicians passing new laws, keep us all in suppression. Left us guessing with many questions. As how to survive, how can we live so peacefully when we were robbed and deprived of our lives as younger seeds? Now society hates us, left us abandoned. Oh no, this is the way that you made us. So sometimes searching for answers in the Muslim religion. John 14 and 16, for the way that you live in vice lords, gangs and disciples, lighting kings and stones. If you're sick of the life you live, then turn to Christ on the throne. Who's gonna reach you? Too many of us hurt now here. Lord, we're searching for answers. Only hope is you. So I get down on my knees, Lord, and I pray so somebody reach my So we're looking at Tupac being dedicated to the street because, in his words, the street took better care of him than his own mother did. I mean, you know, the, the move from uh, Baltimore to California. Well, Tupac got thrown on a bus with a bucket of chicken, as he says. Okay, those are my words. Those are his words. And he spent most of his adult life removed from Afeni. Now, he would go home to Atlanta on occasion. He would see Glow. Glow was almost like a surrogate mom for, for, for Afeni. And this is not to say that Afeni didn't care about Tupac, and this is not to malign Afeni. But let's face it, she had a problem with crack. She had a problem with drugs. She had a problem with that, and there is no way that you're going to tell me that anybody who's got a good good relationship with somebody also has drugs in their life. 
if you have illegal drugs in your life, you do not have good relationships. You cannot maintain good relationships. And I'm going to hear people say, oh, well, well, uh, you know, okay, yeah, name me a heroin addict that has great relationships, okay? Um, there are people that, you know, smoke weed and all that. I don't, I don't really consider that to be in the same class as smoking crack, okay? But we know that that can be harmful on relationships. Now, but from every person I have interviewed, family, friends, all that, there is no way you're going to be able, this is going to be the shortest damn movie on the planet, It'd be about 10 minutes. The most inspiring and dangerous mother-son duo in American history whose unified message of freedom, equality, persecution, and justice are more relevant today than ever. There is no question that Afini Shakur made an impact on the people that were in the Panther 21 trial, uh, where she was being charged with, uh, uh, with various crimes relating to the Black Panther Party. Uh, in fact, Tupac's cradle was made by a juror who felt sorry for Afini and during the entire trial actually built a cradle for Tupac in that, uh, in, during that trial. And at the end of the trial, when she was exonerated, um, he presented her with that cradle for Tupac. So it was kind of neat that a juror made the cradle for Tupac. It was not like Afini was not cared for by people. But don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Okay, don't give me this crap saying that they're going to put out a, a, a six-episode investigation. No, I'm sorry, a five-part project on that relationship. No, it's not going to be that Afini was not a constant source of inspiration for Tupac. From everybody that I've talked to, Afini was a constant source of pain for Tupac, okay? It was a constant source of aggravation for Tupac. There's nobody in the world that would say, don't let my mom get a hold of my finances and have a great relationship with their mom, okay? Let's just call it what it is, okay? And that's the, that's the bullshit that comes from 20 years later, she's dead, he's dead. Uh, now you get a bunch of people, ne'er-do-wells, that want to make a touchy-feely story in a Me Too world. And that about sums it up. I mean, at the end of the day... This documentary, docu-series, is going to be a bunch of horse shit. Advertisers are going to pay for it. FX is going to make money. Hughes is going to make money. Whether or not the estate makes any money, well, we'll see about that. But let's just stick with the truth for a while. It'll probably do everybody a little bit better. Hey, I want to give a quick shout-out to, to J-Mix for the Spice One interview. Thank you so much for uh, letting me uh, crib that from you. It's always good information. You know, he spent... A good, you know, 10, 12 years cultivating leads and doing all of just hundreds of interviews. So check out the channel when you get a chance. When we close our eyes, we're not guaranteed to open them the next day. Um, in 1996, when uh, Pac was assassinated, uh, my girlfriend had committed suicide. My little brother had died. Um, it was just death surrounding me. And I had to find out why. And of course I did later on, because I gave my life to God. When I did that, I started accepting death as well as life, because I had never accepted death. So I'm fine where I'm at today with death. But that was very, very inspiring, and my hat is off to you. Big Frank. That was Big Frank, again. I'll try to always throw a clip of him in our show, because I feel like in a lot of ways, I wouldn't even be in the conversation if it weren't for him. So I uh, wanted to uh, put that in there. That was actually recorded during a visit to Layla Steinberg's microphone sessions. The microphone sessions, I think they're still going, in fact. You could probably look them up online. Uh, where they're being held, I'm not sure. 
At that time, they were being held in Hollywood. What microphone sessions are, are is a meeting, a community meeting. It happens periodically. And Tupac went to these meetings. And what it is is a group of people that get together and young artists. They want to share their songs, poetry, writing, and engage in a discussion about the things that matter to them, maybe community interests, maybe uh, politics, maybe uh, social. Uh, and they get together and they express it. And then after they're done... Uh, demonstrating their song or their poetry, then the group talks about it. And they talk about the things that really matter. It was very engaging. Frank and I had a great time doing it. And uh, if you get a chance to actually participate in the microphone sessions and you're an inspiring artist, I would suggest you go. Uh, if not, then at least check it out and support Layla's mission in doing so. It was a great time had by us, and I really uh, applaud her for her efforts in community activism and actually making that happen. I just want to know that when I'm in the halls and, and I'm with young people who I know their life has been so fucked up. Uh, we're, we're talking about Pac's lyrics. We're talking about Brenda's Got a Baby. We're talking about Papa's song. We're talking about Dear Mama. And so when you deal with youngsters who haven't had shit and just have the opportunity to find a reason to want to be alive, when, when you could touch someone and help them find a reason, that's all that matters. But when you have somebody who starts to realize they have a reason and they come back and get you and remind you that you have to keep having that reason, and keep bringing your ass back into a hall, into a foster home, into a group home, find a song that soothes, soothes their soul. That's all that matters. And that's like my connection to Tupac, because he knew that. And with that, that kind of wraps it up for us for this week. This is RJ Bond, and I thank you each and every one. Spread the word. Let everybody know that we are on once a week. We do this and get together and talk about Tupac and the crazy world that revolves around him. Until then, this is RJ Bond, and that's what I know.